Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Nadine Baggett, welcome back to the Emma Gunn Show. How are you? I'm really good. Do you know that you, this now officially makes you the person who's featured most on the podcast other than me? I can only apologise to your listeners. <laughs> Wait, we're Zooming this, obviously, because we're, we're doing this in times of COVID. Emma's looking very glamorous on my screen. And you look nice too, even though you couldn't be bothered to do... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overflexing my hair, listeners. I'm multitasking. <laughs> yeah, so Nadine still looks very glamorous. Even Well, you've got very much like an 80s slick back hairdo. You should be in a Robert Palmer video. From the waist what? down. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening from the waist down? I don't, do I want to know? No. <laughs> so, so listeners, um, Nadine is coming on the podcast to share her feel-good habits. And I'm sure many of you are thinking, God, about flipping time. Now, here's the thing that you need to know about my friend Nadine Baggett is you don't go to Nadine for, what am I going to say here? You don't, so it's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> you do not go to Nadine with a problem if you want anything sugar-coated because she will give it to you straight. And that's one of the best things about her. And it can also be the reason why you hide from her sometimes. <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> you do want to have a little weep, but... What I will say and why I'm so keen to share her with you is that in my experience of being her mate, she has never not been helpful, even if sometimes it's difficult to hear. So these are her feel good habits. There's not going to be a crystal involved or a positive mantra. This is going to be some really practical advice. I'm guessing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nadine. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy night. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. like one of my favourite movies all about Eve, Bette Davis. Do you do do you know that you are a tough lover and does that is are you fine with that? Yes, yeah, a hundred percent. I was raised with tough love, so I don't really know any other way. Um and yeah, I think I'm harsh but fair. Let's put it like that. And I do think. I'm what I firmly believe, or maybe it's a justification that I believe that friends tell you the truth to your face rather than bitching behind your back sort of thing. So, yeah, I believe in tough love. I was raised with tough love. Um, but I don't think that you should emphasize the tough rather than the love. Put it like that. But, yeah, I absolutely am anti anything remotely soft soaping, plinky plonky, all that sort of stuff. You're not going to get vagina candles and crystals out of me recharged on a full moon or anything like that uh mine are very practical but also based in science I think as well well and we know that this is what we all like and as I've said many times before if you do like a crystal listeners that's fine I I think if somebody wants to wear a crystal in their bra and it makes them feel more confident when they leave the house I'm not going to take that away from you but as we've said before never delegate your mental health or anything to an inanimate object. That's where I definitely come from as well. And I think that you would agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 
sense that one of the problems with a lot of, and now we're getting on an aside now rather than my feel good habits, but I'm convinced that one of the problems with the modern beauty as self-love, self-care movement is I think it's about externalizing your power. So just as I would say to somebody, I don't believe in star signs, I don't believe you should go and have your cards read, I don't believe you should go and see a psychic, I don't believe that you should put your power in the full moon or the crystals. What you're doing is you're externalizing your power. You're saying, I feel rubbish because it's a full moon. I feel rubbish because it's not a good month for being a Cancerian. It's not, you feel rubbish because something is going on in your life. It's time to look really deep and find out what that thing is. Don't externalize your power don't give your power to other people. As a woman, you should know that the whole world is trying to sap your power. Keep your power to yourself. If your life is bad, the chances are you are partly responsible for that. Take responsibility for it and change your life. The power lives within yourself. I'm the ultimate feminist. I also feel like you should just write a book now. Like you should become and a I'm Tony not, Robbins. And I'm not a modern feminist, so I'm not the, the feminist that gets the, the sort of fancy coloured you know, affirmation, books, all that sort of stuff. It's like, I'm, that's not what I'm about. Like dig deep, look within yourself and take control of what's going on in your life. Because if you don't take control of what's going on in your life, somebody else will come along and take the control off of you. Wise words. And listeners, this is exactly the kind of stuff that she tells me when I'm sitting in her house. <laughs> Before we started recording, we had a conversation about the fact that Emma always thinks she's upset her friends if one of her friends goes quiet on her, she always thinks it's her. She'll never think that they've got a whole lot of stuff going on in her life. She'll go, oh my God, it's my fault. What have I done wrong? And I'm like, it's never you, Emma. But you know what it is? And I was saying to Nadine, it's it's the PTSD or it's the tale of, or it's the echoes or the shadows of basically psychological warfare at an all-girls school. Yeah, And so, but I do, I, I'm better at it now. Sometimes if I think someone's gone a bit quiet, I'm like, sod them then. <laughs> <laughs> also, can I just say, don't forget that Partly where I've come to in my life is the, res the, the result of what the life I've lived. So I'm trying to impart the knowledge that I wish I'd known when I was 18. And a lot of the girls, the young girls that believe in externalizing their power for whatever reason, are young. I've only become this tough old bird because I've had a tough old life. And I wouldn't wish those adversities on young people. You only become confident by overcoming adversity and you only become secure in the knowledge of who you are as a person as you get older. So, and that's a natural progression. It shouldn't be something that should be sped up. Mm. If I see somebody who's incredibly young and truly confident in themselves, I almost want to dig deep and think, wow, how have you become so wise, so young? That's strange because wisdom should really come with age and the passage of time. That's true. It's a good point, actually. Um, so, and this leads on, obviously, to the most obvious question. I believe it's a Rod Stewart song as well. Like, I wish I knew now. I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine knowing what you know now? Hindsight is 100%. And, I, you know, you and I always joke about the fact that, you know, if you could look back to when you were at your physical peak, and I was probably in my physical peak in my mid-40s, and if you could have just put that sense of kind of, like power of knowing who you are, earning a decent wage, being secure in who you are in an 18 year old. I mean, you'd take over the world, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, there's a reason that you're young and beautiful, but slightly 
less formed as a person because you that would be too much power to be as beautiful as you are when you're 18 have all that 100% of collagen and have all the wisdom you've got as a 58 year old I mean for god's sake you'd probably be obnoxious do you know who do you know who I met years ago he was really young. He walked, I interviewed her and she walked into the room and she had the most incredible command of the room. And I think at the time, I have a feeling she must have been 16 or 17. I mean, we're talking super young, but came in in a beautifully cut, tailored suit and was just so thoughtful and engaged and acted like someone four times her age is Selena Gomez. Do you know, it's really interesting. I was going to say, when I met Beyonce, that famous picture of the two of us together, she's, she was incredibly young. I mean, it, she was when she was still wearing the House of Derion, those sort of slightly naff nylon. The blue satin bias cut dress. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I've got my hands on her naked flesh in the picture. Um, but she must have only been at the time, maybe 21 or 22. I was 41. She was by far the grown up in the room. Not mm. least of all, I was you <laughs> but that was real presence that was real like that was real she was both confident and but then I think in a way she was fast-tracked because she'd been on stage since she was 11 or 12 so she'd been forced to grow up in a way that maybe you and I weren't you know at 21 I was still getting drunk and you know going out with inappropriate men it's the reason why I would like to have a conversation with Miley Cyrus fascinating yes also, not just because on your podcast <laughs> that will happen. Not just because Miley Cyrus is such a young star and you know so much fame and fortune from a young age, but because Dolly Parton's her godmother, mm. and you're going to have learned some good stuff from Dolly because Dolly That's seems like to navigate the world in the most exquisitely. Just the, the way she navigates the world is exquisite. She's like Cher, isn't she? It's just fascinating. Yeah, I really want to just have a gossip with you about Cher in a video I saw. But we'll get we'll get into your feel good habits. So these are really, I mean, I know the umbrella term is feel good, but what these habits really embody, it's just the tactics that we all use just to pick ourselves up. And as we know, Nadine's are probably going to be more practical than maybe some of the previous episodes. So where are we starting, Nadine? Animals. <laughs> I could not have done lockdown without having animals, having my cats. And that's because I, and most people know this, who would listen to this, is my boy, I see my boyfriend, he's within my bubble, so I see him Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we don't live with each other. And um, and I'm determined to get Emma to move and get some cats, because she comes over, or she used to come over, and she was obsessed with my cats. There's just something about the act of getting up first thing in the morning, uh, I'm trying to lock them out because they disrupt my my sleep because obviously they're nocturnal but opening the door then being there and the first act of every single day is to look after them so the first act is not about myself the first act is about the basics of are they okay have I fed them are they watered fussy little fuckers have they got the food they want the fresh prawns all that sort of stuff that simple act that first 15 minutes of my day is about caring for something other than myself and I think that's really important what also, you they're just really great. Like, like I've got two totally different personalities. One, the mere act of me looking at him and speaking to him and touching him makes him purr. So you get that instant gratification of knowing that 
that I am their life, like I'm their lifeline. They, they're outside cats. So, you know, if you're listening to this in the States, we let our cats out in the UK, but they go out and they have all the fun in the world. But when they come back to me, I'm their anchor. So I have always got a point of getting up and doing something in life, no matter how bad you feel, you've got to get up and care for somebody else. So it's a basically like having children, but without all the responsibility. <laughs> You know, they're not there the whole time and cats are the perfect low maintenance pets, but they are instantly rewarding to you. And that's just great. That ticks all the boxes. So what do you think the knock on effect is of that in terms of how it makes you feel? Does it make you feel loved? But does it also. Yeah, does it make you feel loved? Well, no, I, are animals capable of love? I don't know. Uh, you'd have to speak to an animal psychologist about that. I mean. I've got two cats and one of which is very selfish and is completely like, you know, he'll come to me when he wants something, typical, really beautiful cat, just wants something. It's all on his terms. Whereas the other cat literally just wants to be with me the whole time. If he wasn't asleep outside, he'd be on here now scratching this microphone cover. He's the one that appears on all the videos. He just wants to be with me the whole time. He's fascinated when people come around, he wants to be there, he's nosy and interactive. I don't know if it's love, but, um, I, interestingly enough, okay, I don't believe in affirmations. I'm not that person that looks at a card every day, but I'm constantly telling my cats, I love them. They don't understand me. I'm so lucky to have them in my life. They're amazing animals. I've rescued animals my whole life. So I've had very animals that have been very, very difficult to bond with who haven't necessarily been kind or compassionate in the sense of wanting to be with me of like you know scratched you and all that sort of stuff but I'm also a firm believer that if you rescue an animal it's for life it's not just for Christmas you don't give them back you don't opt out when the going gets tough now I've been rewarded at this point in my life with an animal who is truly my spirit animal I mean he's such a such a kind compassionate animal but I think what's interesting about him is I tell him the whole time I'm so lucky to have you I love you you're amazing he doesn't understand that but in a way I then thought about it that's me affirming to myself that I am lucky to have that animal in my life mm. which is interesting so I'm actually doing an affirmation to myself I got him and I'm lucky to have him but who am I actually saying it to because if I'm not saying it to him because he doesn't understand me am I saying it to myself so in a way that is my affirmation oh my god you're a secret well, this is really interesting. And I learned that the power of saying to somebody, I love you, uh, and this gets really serious now, is I absolutely believe in telling people I love them and expressing it clearly and openly and frequently. Because when I was very young, I remember as clearly as anything, I went through a, a quite traumatic time when I was about 26 or 27. And I remember being on the sofa one Sunday night and a really close member of my family, and I can't really say who it is because it's not my story to tell, but it was a very, I, an immediate member of my family, left me on a Sunday night and I didn't get off the sofa to say goodbye to that person. And the, the, by the time I woke up the next morning, that person was dead. And I've learned in that moment never to leave somebody. And if you feel you love them, when you're saying goodbye to them, tell them you love them. And it was a life-changing moment for me. And the only reason I don't talk about it is because it was somebody who was related to somebody who's very close to me. And I feel like it's not my story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I know I told you about it, but that was a life changing moment for me at 26. I, I realized then that if you love somebody, it's, this isn't a game. We were just talking about sex in the city. I don't play games. If I love somebody, I tell them I love them. If I tell my cat I love it 10 times a day, I do it. 
It's funny, I've just done a podcast this morning with a neuroscientist and we were talking about perception bias and how we see the world is through an Instagram filter that we don't realize that we're making, but obviously our interpretation of things, everyone's interpretation of a situation is completely unique. And obviously it leads to a bias. And it's interesting that obviously for you was the world looked a certain way one day and then the next day your filter was completely different. Absolutely. And I think what's really interesting is I think until the age of 26, I mean, I didn't have a, a, a charmed life, but I had an easy life until I was 26. You know, I had two parents who absolutely loved me that were together until my dad died. I grew up in a working class family. There was no money, but there was a lot of stability and a lot of love and a lot of protection and strength given to me. And then at the age of 26, through no fault of anybody, it was, a, it was a, a national disaster. It was a huge rail accident that happened at the time. I lost somebody very, very, very close to me and my world fell apart. And I think that's what I mean when I talk about overcoming adversity has made me the person I am. And in a way, I wouldn't wish those, that adversity on anybody. You wouldn't wish that trauma on anybody. But by digging deep, being quite stoical, looking after other people, putting their needs first, because I wasn't the most immediate person affected by it, but I was the secondary person affected by it. I then had to buck up, look after the immediate person that was affected by it, protect my family through a really, really traumatic time. And that by turn has made me who I am today. And that's what I mean by, if you think about the things that you overcome through your life, by the time you're my age, which is 58, you know, the chances are you've, you've, you've lost a good friend, you've lost a close member of your family, you've maybe lost your parents, you've maybe overcome adversity yourself, you've been made redundant, you've probably been in negative equity, you've all those things you've had to overcome that have been truly traumatic, you might have got married and divorced and heaven forbid you might have lost a child, whatever you might have been through, they are what, by, by the process, a step-by-step -step process, they are what have made you who you are today. You wouldn't wish that trauma on anybody that's 18. You really wouldn't. So when I say confidence and a sense of who you are um, as a person, it, that is built by overcoming adversity. You only become strong. It's a little bit like being a, at an emotional gym. You know, I wouldn't wish somebody to deadlift some of the things I've had to deadlift through my life. But by the same token, I am who I am today as a result of them. I mean, it's very interesting within when I was 26, I, I lost a close member of my family. And then less than a year later, I lost my closest male friend in another national disaster as well. Um, he was an ex-boyfriend of mine and um, he drowned on the Marchioness, which was a really big news grabbing story at the time. And I remember thinking then, wow, this is just it's very interesting. It made me. I was, I'm all, I've always been quite a sort of half glass, full person, but it made me realise that life was incredibly precious and wasn't to be wasted because I'd lost somebody who was 30 in my life and then somebody who was, I think, I mean, how old was Sean when he died? 27 or 28? He was maybe a year older than me. And I remember thinking they, the two people I lost were so hungry for life, so hungry to experience everything that actually you shouldn't waste your opportunity you shouldn't let life come at you you need to take life itself and kind of grab it <laughs> with both hands um yeah so it had made a, a fundamental change to who I am a fundamental perception sh shift to who I am as a person and I I love that we started out with cats and we really went there 
Well, only because I wanted to go on to affirmations because it made yeah. me realize that when I see Katie Piper read her affirmations every day, I just like a swipe to the left because I'm not interested. But actually, I do have affirmations. And also, I think you and I have talked about this a lot. We both work on our own at home. And I talk to myself the whole time. Like, I, if you filmed me, you'd probably think I was bonkers right yeah. mainly I talk to my cats but I you know I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm an inveterate list maker and I cross things off and all that all those sort of psychological tricks you do for yourself and you realize actually that some of the things I say I am they are affirmations like you know I'll get on the sofa at the end of the day under the blanket with the cats with a big bowl of soup and go oh my god this is amazing and I am I also count myself lucky that I'm one of those people that um I wouldn't say is easily pleased because I'm not easily pleased but I I have the innate ability to find pleasure in small things. Mm. And I think that, I do think that is innate. I think it's probably could be taught, but I think because I grew up in a household where there was an excess, to me, the little, you learn as a young person to get pleasure in little things. So literally like the smell of a cat or an, a chocolate bar, or I can get a lot of pleasure from little things. And I think that's an incredibly lucky position to be in because a lot of people are continually chasing big things you know like yeah. a design handbag or a you know a car or a holiday and actually I've realized that it's getting pleasure out of the little things in life that's given me my perspective on life as well I know that some we both love reality tv and anyone who knows us or follows us will know that this is our one of our mutual loves and I will still sometimes like you get under the blanket and put on put on a real housewives franchise and as the as it's starting I'll almost like shake up and down like my arms and legs going like oh I'm so excited like a child on Christmas Eve I was going to say sometimes I actually do utter that sort of <laughs> it's lovely I absolutely love it when my boyfriend goes home on a Sunday and he won't listen to this so it's fine I can say that I get under the blanket and I've got all that hey you TV but he won't let me watch when he's just he wouldn't not let, doesn't want let me let me watch but he would never watch with me and it's like such a guilty little secret and I'm honestly like a pig and shit I'm so <laughs> I can't tell you <laughs> this also what you were just saying about going through adversity and what have you let's just go there and just be really honest you and I've known each other for knocking on for 20 years but we became firm friends probably about five years ago when we both decided to make the leap out of our traditional careers into the digital forum yeah because I what we were going through apart from us well, also, I, and listeners will know this because I've spoken about it before, I was going through a really tricky time and I was not in the healthiest of uh, headspaces. And actually, uh, people know I've been through therapy and everything, but one of the things that I definitely know that I learned from you was you're going to fix you, no one else. Stop waiting for someone to come along. Like the call is coming from inside the house. If you want to do this, you do it don't wait for someone else to give you permission like uh, that a lot of that came from our sort of like late night talks in your house with yogi going walking between <laughs> either of us oh, yeah, yeah. yeah well it's true and also I just think if whatever if anybody's listening to this and and they think Emma and Nadine are right I need to fix myself and if your task seems too large whatever that task is and it could be anything from you know public speaking to getting fit to losing weight to eating healthily to going for a job to writing a feature to what changing job whatever you've got to do I think make a list and break it down into parts that you can cope with it's so important don't think of 
of climbing a mountain, think of just putting one foot in front of another. And that sounds like a real cliche, but I am an inveterate list maker. If I don't make lists, partly because I'm 58, I will forget what I'm supposed to do anyway. So I have to, luckily enough, my management team are all really young and they continually remind me. But I have to make a list. And sometimes at the top of that list, I put the easiest thing to achieve because the simple act, and I mean physically write a list. Don't type it in. It's not the same. Physically write a list and then make the first one quite an easy thing to do. And then the, the pleasure of scrubbing it off. Yeah. And Emma is now showing me her list on, on um, Zoom. Dishwasher, washing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scrub out, even if your first thing is feed cats, it doesn't make any difference. So put other people's needs first, even if it's an animal, make a list. It's so important. And the, 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 the hit of serotonin, like, I think it was Monday. I didn't really achieve a lot, but I paid all my bills, read my gas meter, read my electricity meter, sent the meter readings off, paid my American Express bill, like sorted my accounts out. The serotonin hit you get at the end of that is, I've never had a serotonin hit from exercise. I, I think I mustn't be missing that gene, but the serotonin hit you get from completing a to-do list which for us would have been the equivalent back in the day of completing a feature. There's nothing more scary than an empty piece of paper when you're a writer, but the hit you get from finishing it. And also the sense of, wow, I'm all right. I did that. I achieved that. I feel good about myself is second to none. Okay. With your wisdom and experience, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, okay, I need all of this. I'm going to start making lists. What about analysis paralysis where you make your list and then you still sort of demonize or magnify everything in your head? Do you have any suggestions for break? I know you said breaking it down, but for just, I sometimes think the analysis paralysis comes from thinking I can't do it or I'm unable or I'm not good enough. But I think if you, that's why you have to cheat yourself. You have to put things at the top of the list that are relatively easy to, to strike off. And if a single task is too large, break it down into its component parts. Like literally, so if I'm, I'm thinking, we we're literally having a chat that I'm supposed to be doing a, a video on um, greenwashing of beauty. So, and, and eco-friendly beauty buys. And it's a big task because I wanted to try to be factually correct. So what I've done is I've collected all the products under my desk, then I'll go away and research it. Then I'll write the notes, then I'll set up the camera, then I'll film it, then I'll edit it. And that's what I've done. I've literally broken down a task that is a big task into its component parts and ticked each part off. That's the only way you'll get through anything. Yeah, it's true. And you're right. Sometimes the variety, like at the moment with working from home, I could sit at my desk all day long, editing audio files, setting things up, doing emails. And sometimes the most important thing is like that list I just showed you, like do the dishwasher, go out for a walk, post a letter, um, even take a picture for Instagram outside just to give you a reason to go outside so you actually get some daylight. Also, I think the other thing is, is, even some of the distractions that you do, like I joked earlier that my house has never been so clean because I've been distracting myself by cleaning and I've turned into Stacey Solomon stroke Mrs. Hinge. I've got a clean fridge and I've cleaned out all my drawers and stuff like that. But don't think of that as being a negative distraction. As long as your distraction is in some way positive and you get pleasure out of it, it's something you can tick off your list. So I am currently a triple threat. I'm doing a podcast with Emma Guns. I'm olaplexing my hair. And also I put my oven fried in earlier on. <laughs> 
Do you know what? I, I did a podcast about um, uh, this recently and I talked about that exactly this, these tasks that aren't the tasks that you have to do. And they might feel like dossing off, as we might say, but actually they're active rest, like in exercise. So actually cleaning out your fridge might seem like she's not doing the tasks that she's supposed to be doing, but actually being organized and doing that is actually getting your brain into a place where it's either resting the part that needs to actually work when you're focused or it supports the task that's in front of you. So you shouldn't see it. I'm one of those people who, if I've got something that I'm supposed to have done and I've like, we all have those things like clean the oven, clean the fridge. Like nobody wants to do them, right? Like, so you just move them on and you move them on from week to week to week to week to week. But I have a little monster at the back of my head that goes, you didn't clean the oven. You didn't clean the oven, you're a failure. And the mere act of cleaning the oven just made me go, that's it, you're out of the way. That monster's gone, don't have to think about that. And it's so easy to do. The thought of a task is always so much worse than the actual task. Agreed. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about having an internal negative ninny. Because if we go down the affirmations route, or we go down the kind of self-love, positive self-talk, that's all about quietening that voice. And obviously, there's an argument for it. And there are valid reasons for actually, in some instances, not talking to yourself negatively. But I'm like you, sometimes I need to troll myself in order to motivate myself. So it's this weird thing, isn't there, of like, this culture of not speaking to yourself negatively, but there actually being some benefit to doing it if it suits your personality. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in the whole, I mean, if you can be neutral about yourself, you're in a good place. Do you really need to love yourself? I don't know. Um, I think you need to be honest with yourself. I think being honest with yourself is the single most important thing. So many people live in a state of dishonesty and denial. And I think, and I always say this, and again, I think it's something that comes with age. There is nothing that somebody could say behind my back that I haven't internalised to myself. I know, I'm old enough. I know what my flaws are. I know I can be loud and obnoxious and opinionated. But I also know that I'm kind, loyal, you know, a fairly decent human being. I've got good moral structure. I look after the people who are close to me. I know that I'm incredibly strong and that I can stand up when other people fall around me you get to the point in your life when you know who you are and that's as I said that's literally the wisdom of knowing yourself that comes with age so if I I, I remember I was doing a podcast a, a video recently with Joe, and she said oh god your house is so she thinks my house is sterile but literally <laughs> sterile because you know I don't know if you've ever seen Joe Jones's house but she she collect it's full of toot she collects all the <laughs> crap that I just wouldn't you couldn't even imagine living because I like I Joe and now this is really interesting Emma and I if you were to see our houses are strikingly similar we quite like a minimal clean quite calm quite zen environment no clutter Joe that loves that whole mid-century loads of stuff everywhere and uh but I'm that sort of person who if is if I've got something and everybody has a drawer or a cupboard somewhere it does speak to me Mm. it's like and I also love nothing more than cleaning out. Like I've had a massive office clean out recently and taken everything. I can actually tell from your background. <laughs> you can actually see that I can close the doors, take everything to a charity. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Store, you know, cleaned out all my files and stuff like that. This year, the first kind of we're what 10, 11 days, 14 days into the new year now. So 10 days into the working week. I've just really enjoyed the process of cleaning out. I'm definitely not a hoarder and I'm not a mental hoarder. I do love order in my life. I 100% agree. And it can be the thing that can tip me over the edge. So the other night, I put my hung my jeans up and I thought, no this wardrobe's actually stressing me out. And I took everything off the hangers. I was like, I haven't worn that for 18 months. That's going in a bag under the bed. And then when I, when charity shops reopen or when I can donate again, that's where that's going. And it's amazing how the next morning, the next morning when I opened the wardrobe, it was amazing. Yeah. And also you feel good about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because also you're gifting things that you shouldn't have bought or no longer fit. It's kind of win, 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 win. I remember Joe Jones saying to me the other day, I mean, when we were doing that, those videos, just sort of, you know, in those little spaces between lockdown. And she said to me, I'll be really honest with you, Nadine. I kind of, at the end of the day, I do beauty bags because it makes me feel good about myself. Ultimately, she said, I kind of do it because it makes me feel better. And I obviously I care about other people. And obviously I'm outraged that, you know, the world has fallen into poverty and that, you know, kids aren't getting their school meals and people are in po- hygiene poverty. But actually, also, I get a really big hit out of it. Mm. And I think that if I, if I know people who are miserable to their core, and there are people in my life who are miserable to their core, it's because they never put other people first. They always put their own needs first. And that's, you're in a hiding to nothing if you do that. Interesting. That's actually really interesting. I want to unpick that, but I'm not quite sure how. What does it look like when someone only serves themselves? Well, we all know. We can name people who all serve themselves, people who are narcissistic and seem incredibly confident on the surface, but actually are filled with self-loathing. But it normally comes from a position of, of vulnerability. If you're going to be the better person, it comes from a position of vulnerability and insecurity, but it doesn't make them any less obnoxious to be around if they only ever put their own needs first. And I can be quite a selfish person. I'm quite selfish with my time. I love time on my own. I love doing the things that I want to do. And I think I'm quite selfish with my friends. I mean, in the sense that we love being alone together and getting together. And I I love nothing better than stealing my friends away from their husbands and their children and all that sort of stuff. But I think ultimately, you know, I, I kind of think that what we get a hit off of each other, myself and my friends, if I steal them away from their children or their husbands, and hopefully they return a bigger, better version of themselves. But you, we've all, we all know that person that, that just doesn't really care about anything else but themselves. And it's just, I just think they're all miserable. Like deep down inside, miserable. It's funny though, because they're often the people who are magnets. But yeah. that's the whole narcissistic thing. Emma and I are looking at each other now because there are some really famous people in our industry who are like this. They're just... They, yeah, they're just hard to be around, but they can be incredibly charismatic and charming people. Mm. But I mean, they're, full, they're on the, the, the whole sociopathic scale. I mean, I do think narcissism, who's that amazing woman that you and Dr. I... Dr. Romani. 
Yes, she's incredible. You know, she's um, just done the red table with Will Smith and Jada, so there's absolutely no chance. Well, I keep trying, but I'm I really want to get her. She's an expert on all sorts of things, but um, one of her areas of uh, expertise is narcissism and spotting narcissistic traits. And and Emma will link her below. She's got a YouTube channel which you can just can you go down a YouTube channel kind of hole and I don't know whether more people are becoming sociopathic narcissists as I get older or whether it's a reflection of the society we live in so I don't know if people get worse as they get older you don't notice the traits when you're younger but I remember being in my you know teens and 20s and none of my friends were that like that but now maybe it's the industry I work in I see a strikingly huge number of people who are like that who are on the spectrum of that but ultimately they're all miserable. But and I like to think I'm quite a happy person. Agreed, but do you think part of that is because there's fame that comes with the job in some way? Do you know what, like not, like the people who've got bigger numbers who are quite young, there's fame there. And obviously fame and narcissism may be a good bedfellows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know whether it's the result of the rise of social media or whether it's, the result of us living in a society where we're increasingly isolated for whatever reason, it's the breakdown of family, the breakdown of social structures, I don't know. Or whether it's um, just as you get older, maybe the, the external walls of childhood and youth fall away so you begin to see people more clearly, I don't know. We, you need to get the doctor on and ask her. I need to get her on with you. <laughs> it could be a round table. Right, I feel like we've veered off your feel-good habits, so let's look at your list again. Okay, uh, uh, ecotherapy, so gardening, getting oh. outside, parks, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I've got the tiniest garden in the world. I get so much pleasure out of it. I've lived in Chiswick in West London for 20 years, I'd never gone to any of the local parks or Chiswick House, but in lockdown I had to, and now I'm desperate to move. You know I'm desperate to move. Mm. I could end up being Emma's neighbour because she lives in a much greener part of um, Greater London than I do. I'm so working I'm on it, listeners. I'm looking to move this year, and my priority is that I want a large garden, and by a large garden I want like a third of an acre or something like that, a quarter of an acre. And I've realised that being outside makes me happy. Listeners, I would like you to note something very specific about this feel-good habit that Nadine has just shared in the fact that she called it eco, what did she call it? Ecotherapy. Oh, I used to be a writer. And not forest bathing, which is the oh. biggest <laughs> load of twinky twonk. <laughs> no, ecotherapy is proven. I used to be a health writer for Hello for 20 years. Ecotherapy is proven to be as effective as SSRIs in treatment. No, and I'm I'm not disputing that. It's the rebranding of forest really? bathing that I just uh, sort of sometimes take issue Bollock with. Brain. Bollock bathing, it's rubbish. Yeah. What did you yeah. call it? Bollock bathing. It's complete <laughs> rubbish, yeah. I mean, it's greenwashing. It's green. I like people greenwash bath salts nowadays. It's ridiculous. But yeah, ecotherapy is proven to work. There's a reason that most mental health institutions are set in large green grounds. They should be, you know, people should be forced to get out and get back to nature. I think it puts things into perspective, but also more importantly, just, you know, you have that ability to switch off your brain. And I love gardening. I mean, obviously I will have a huge hunky gardener stripped to the waist to do all the important work. I'll just go around deadheading. <laughs> <laughs> with a big but hat. I, yeah, with a big hat. Secateurs, yeah, a, a scarf. <laughs> a scarf but to I protect you from the sun. 
but I absolutely want a garden. I'm passionate about having a garden. And I think when I was younger, I loved gardening and I think it runs in my family, but that's my aim for 20, apart from growing out my fringe and repairing my hair, my aim for this year is to move and get a garden. I believe in you. Is your hair, is your hair, hair still um, bollocks from that no, two years ago? Yeah, the, the back's completely grown out now, which is incredible, but the front and sides are still in a bad place. And that's actually self-inflicted because I blow dry it too much, I straighten it too much. But just the bits around the front, everybody can see. Being a video creator, the back. It's like, it's a constant, you know, the thing, the meme about the Zoom call where you've got a suit on the top half and joggers yeah, on the bottom. Yeah. Well, that's the front and back of my face. <laughs> Do you remember when I came round once and you were like, could you just film yourself spraying the grey patch on the back of my head? Do you remember? <laughs> yes! <laughs> With that spray root cover up, you're like, I can't reach it. I can't flipping see it. <laughs> I did a stupid Reels video where I was spinning around on a chair trying different tops on. I had no idea the back of my head was like a haystack. <laughs> Just worry about the stuff that people see it'll be fine that's true that's true right where are we going to next music oh my god music it's so important now I have perspective here I've always loved music and actually when I got the cats I didn't want to blast out loud R&B too much um but I on reflection now I realize that the quickest and I mean short of taking caffeine because caffeine is my drug of choice yeah, right it is. really important to motivate yourself when you've done years of live tv and written features at deadlines at 11 o'clock at night um so caffeine is definitely one of my helpful things but but the the mental equivalent of that hit of caffeine is to crank up music really loud and lisa rinna the hell out of yourself i mean and for me i'm like you i've got exactly the same taste in music as you i can see behind you your beyonce from the lemonade video like literally beyonce when uh, they announced that Kanye and Kim were splitting up, I dug out all my old Kanye stuff from like the college dropout and stuff like that. I mean, I've forgotten how amazing it is. I love show tunes. I love really loud music and I love a bit of rap, but it's got to kind of got to be the kind of sweet rap, not the gangster rap. So a bit of Jay-Z, but only when he's with Kanye, a bit of Usher, a bit of sort of all that so, sort of so stuff. So you haven't taken but, sides. You're not East Coast or West Coast. You're kind of Switzerland. I mean, don't make me choose between Kanye and Kim, please. I'll choose Jay-Z and Beyonce. There's a reason that those two were excommunicated from the cool gang, obviously. Um, but let's hope at least one thing comes out of this and that's that Kanye starts producing decent music again. But without a doubt, music, ramp it up. And especially if, you, if you're feeling really, really sad, dig out the playlist from when you were last happy. So it could be, I don't know, a club you went to when you were 21 or you know that sort of thing and it will remind you it's like the equivalent of digging out a fragrance of, of of a lost lover you know or a past love or an ex-boyfriend or something you'll smell it and you'll like remember all those memories so you can dig out whatever that era of music could be so for me it would be like you know a bit of blondie or you know bit of new romantics or stuff like that but I absolutely love R&B and I remember when I handed my notice in after 18 years at Hello and it was a really big move and I was really insecure about what I was going to do but I just reached the end of my tether I knew that it was a toxic relationship and I had to get out for whatever reason um Beyonce's Lemonade was my savior because that was about her having the courage to leave her husband and basically going I'm better than you I can get over this like you know revenge is a dish best served gold and all those things 
And I absolutely, that album was my, that was my affirmation, that was my motivation. And now, whenever I wake up and it's a bit dull and it's a bit miserable and I've got to have a day's work, cramp up a bit, a bit of R&B and just get on with it. And preferably a powerful black woman. Yeah, do you know, it's funny what you said about- You know, it doesn't make any difference who it is. It's like, you know, it's gotta be somebody that, because basically what they're empowering is, is they've overcome so much more than I have because they're women, but they've also overcome the injustice of race, race, uh, an, an entire society built on racism. So they're basically you tenfold. Mm. So they're, if they're really good at what they do, Aretha Franklin, you know, Tina Turner, Beyonce, whoever it is, you know, even if it's a little bit of, sort of Lizzo or somebody like that, what they're doing essentially is saying, know your power, know your worth, get up, you can do this. Do you know, it's funny, I sent a link to Caroline the other day. There is a, a video of Jennifer Hudson. Just imagine this for a moment. Jennifer Hudson is on stage and it's, um, it's a concert in honour of Whitney when Whitney was still alive. And she is up there singing, I Will Always Love You, which is obviously the song that Whitney made famous. And the whole time, as Jennifer Hudson is up on stage, Whitney is the only person in the auditorium who is standing. Can you actually, so, you're, so you can you imagine this? And she's looking Jennifer Hudson dead in the eye. Imagine how intimidating that would have been. And then as she's getting to the bit where she's got to prepare for the high note, Whitney Houston's in front of her going, as if, you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. it it makes my butt clench so hard and it made me love Jennifer Hudson so much because when she hits the note, she literally points at Whitney and holds it so much, so beautifully and then goes up and does all these runs. It's amazing. It must have been the most intimidating thing singing I Will Always Love You at Whitney Houston at an event in her honour and Jennifer Hudson absolutely killed it. And that made me think Jennifer Hudson is incredible and I love her. I mean... There's just something about the narrative of a powerful black woman that could inspire anybody. Because what's the famous speech, isn't there? There's the most put upon person in the world. The famous speech from Lemonade that um, Martin Luther King says, and he basically says the most put upon person in the world is a black woman. Yeah. So there's the reason that they create great art and great inspirational art and great inspirational music. And it just speaks to me. Um, you know, so they, Beyonce is my queen. Well, the reason why there is a poster behind me of Beyonce from Lemonade is I remember you, me being in your house and me saying, I haven't got any money. I'm not getting this. Like things just aren't going my way. Like I might have to move and give up. And you just looked at me once and you went, the best revenge is your papers. And behind Emma is Beyonce in the black, huge, almost like a Stetson hat rolling her fingers at the top and I've got that print Emma gave it to me and when I move and get my dedicated office that's getting straight on the wall <laughs> I mean it, it's not the thing is as well is I bought I bought Nadine a print when she's got some really lovely art in her house in her our house her house um and it's not it's not fine art is it but you know the gesture was there no, but it's symbolic that's the thing and I do think lemonade if you actually I mean watch the video album because it's just incredible I mean she's just such an artist the hair the makeup the styling but also I just think her journey in that particular time because it was the first time she'd ever really overcome a, a hardship because obviously she's comes from quite a middle class privileged background and everything like that I just think it's incredible it was the making of her mm. 
Too true. It's a brilliant album. Right. We've done music. Where are we going next? Caffeine, we've already mentioned. (laughs) No, I love caffeine. I mean, it's basically a chemical stimulant. I just don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, caffeine is... All of these are founded, let's be honest here. So I did my externalised Love Somebody More Than You, which is my your animal. The ecotherapy with the garden. Um, audial therapy with music. <laughs> chemical therapy with caffeine. And then I think it's really interesting to talk about a really shallow thing, which is I think we all need hope. We all need something to look forward to. And having dealt with my mum now, my mum's partner really sadly died just before lockdown. And so she's been on her own at the age of 84 for most of the year. She literally just needs something to look forward to. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't actually even matter if when she gets to that journey, that thing is taken away from her, which is really a really sad thing to say. Human beings need hope. They need something to look forward to. So we're going to talk about (laughs) internet shopping. (laughs) Are we going to be talking about deliveries? (laughs) We're talking about deliveries because honestly, hand or not, it's such a stupid thing to do and providing you can afford it. But even if it's just getting a new catnip toy for your, you know, your animals, or I bought a pair of leggings the other day on Amazon. We have a mutual friend called Claire Coleman who's knitting. I then went and bought myself some massive jumbo needles because I want to knit myself a Lorna Lux huge scarf. I got the wrong wool. I've got to give it to Claire Coleman. We've had a separate conversation about this. I'm now going to go back in and get some chunky wool and stuff like that. There's just that little thing to look forward to. But the only only reason we're doing internet shopping now is because ultimately what we would have to look forward to is a night out, Mm. a holiday, the cinema, our friends. You need to forward plan, even if those forward plans are broken. You have to forward plan. It's not healthy for anybody to be in a sense of stasis, to be stuck in that moment. Yes, you have to be present in that moment, but you need something to forward plan. So forward plan, even if those plans get changed, it's really important. And I remember, so we were planning a really lovely break at Christmas with my family that had to be changed and my mum couldn't join us. But because Bojo changed the rules at the last minute, obviously, and my mum spent her first ever Christmas in her life on her own saddest moment, FaceTiming my mum when she opened her presents on Christmas Day and putting a smile on your face. But at that moment that we thought we were going to go away for Christmas, that kept my mum going. Mm. You need something to look forward to. And even if it's just a FaceTime with a friend or, you know, a phone call. And again, we, I am, we are the generation who, a text won't work, a DM won't work. It has to be, if it can't be in real life, you know, if you can't go for a walk with somebody, it has to be a phone call or it has to be a FaceTime. It has to be as close to IRL as you can get because it's just the people you surround yourself by are essential. They really are. And the final one is friends. I mean, friends are just so important. They are so important. And I was thinking about the quality of my friends that I they all have in common and the, the qualities that I find admirable in people. And they are, this is really interesting. I've got three things. So they are tough, but they're loving. They're all really stoical and they're all really funny. And to me, that's the dream. So they're basically, if you were to cast them in a movie, they're all wise cracking broads 
from a 1930s, 1940s film noir. They've all kind of got angled hats, huge shoulder pads, and a cigarette on the, you know, and a martini on the go. And they've always got the last line before they they walk out the room and they don't need a man. Do you know what I mean? That's what I like in my in my female friends. And I would have gone mad without my female friends in lockdown. Every so often, you know, you and I, are, I mean, you can lose an hour and a half on a call so easily. You just need to check in with somebody, empathise if they're in the And all of my friends are in the same industry as well, which I think is really interesting, but that's obviously because I'm a career woman. And you meet your friends because you have shared experiences. What all of my friends have is a shared experience and a shorthand about people or, you know, businesses or business processes. We have that shared experience. And the best thing about my industry has been, yes, it's been incredibly creative and amazing and I've made a living, but it was always the segue to going out afterwards with friends. And that's what we miss now. So mm. in a way, you and I have both said this, at the moment, our lives are all work, no pleasure, because normally what we do is we'd do the work and then we'd use that as an excuse to go out and have a margarita afterwards. And even if you can't do that, you need to check in with your friends for your mental health. You really do. And yeah. it's so much better when you can see somebody. So you can get the affirmation of somebody. Emma was talking about how hard it is to um, podcast with somebody who can't see somebody because Emma's nodding at me now to encouraging me to keep speaking. But you, I wouldn't know that if I couldn't see her face. So, so like seven eighths of communication is non-verbal. It's you, really important. I must admit, I told you the other day I was doing a podcast and of course you, you don't have that sort of physical thing. So you just get on a call with someone and you might not have met before. And I was saying to Nadine about a podcast I did the other day, I said, I thought I had whiplash at the end because I was trying, I was nodding so emphatically because they they were a little bit um, uncertain. So I was nodding so emphatically that I realised that I just looked like a dog on a dashboard. <laughs> one of those bobbles, a bobblehead. Well, I think it's really interesting. And again, it's really, see, I work with a lot of really young people who are in their 20s, and I keep saying to them, you know, I know this is unusual for you, but and I know you work with a roster of talent who are really young, but pick up the phone, leave me a voice message. It's I'm the generation that, that calls people and I know you will look at your phone and you'll go what? why is that person calling me like that's awful like that's what a phone was actually designed for no I love a phone call I hate a voicemail I quite like a voice message if it's shortened to the point and I, I just can't I don't have the dexterous thumbs of a 27 year old I can't do that thing really quickly so every so often I'll just leave a message for somebody um but yeah I think my friends have been so important for me in lockdown because every so often you just need to have that phone call that goes, I'm not losing the plot, am I? I'm not going, I'm not imagining this, am I? And to have that empathy from somebody is really important. My friends are all really emp empathic. Yeah. I don't know if it's empathic or empathetic. No, neither do I. Let's Google that. Because, <laughs> well, um, I'm sure it's, well, it's, one or, it's one or both or either. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I wish that we were now, I wish that we were doing this in your house and that. You know why? Because now we'd, we'd be on the sofa now. I'd exactly. Make you a we'd have a jumbo sized bag of kettle chips and Yogi would be on your lap. Yeah. For a second, yeah. then he'd go back to you and then he'd be like, is it all right to go back to her? <laughs> Yogi does just walk between us. Oh yeah. He yeah. likes to get between people. He likes to be right in the middle of it. I think he thinks he's human, so. Yeah. He's a lovely, he really is a lovely animal. These have been really good, Nadine. Thank you very much for sharing and for really Practical going there as well. Science. Sorry? Practical based in science. And this is the thing. And I think 
feel good habits was never meant to be woo woo. And um, majority of the time, people's habits are quite practical. But I think I definitely hear a lot of noise. When I open Instagram, I see a lot of this delegating to inanimate objects or oh mercury's in retrograde all of that kind of stuff and i think actually sometimes if you're so when, when mercury's in retrograde the idea is, is that communication will be off kilter right so that if you send an email you might get a passive aggressive response because much mercury's in retrograde and people aren't communicating in the right way and actually the more sort of practical thing to do might be to look at the tone that maybe your email took or could you have rephrased that rather than thinking oh yeah the planets are out of alignment that just seems like nonsense there's a brilliant meme that says mercury's not in retrograde your life is just shit fix it (laughs) (laughs) and on that note um (laughs) listeners what i'm saying is you have the power to fix it and that's got to be better right because surely thinking that a planet millions of miles away affects your life. You have no control over that. Surely it's much better to think, actually the power lives lives within myself. That's empowering because then, then you have the power to do something about it. I don't want to make this about me and I'm not fishing for a compliment here, but what I would be interested to ask you is when we first became firm friends a few years ago and things weren't in this, things weren't as they are now and I was moaning a lot, I think you would probably say that I did end up sort of putting my big girl pants on and facing things and not and not waiting for stuff to happen. You would say that I did take those practical steps. Yeah, 100%. Also, you're without a doubt, you win the award for best lockdown end result. I don't want to say makeover, but Emma was really sweet. I put something on Instagram for the, I think New Year's Eve, and it was meant to be funny. And Emma saw it as a bit of a cry of help. So she drove past my house, dropped off at a safe distance, a goodie bag of like, this will cheer you up, tang fastings, uh, barbecue pop chips, uh, and a book, which I'm I'm going to give, uh, it's got to give it to Claire Coleman and you have Karen to. Yeah. Um, so, it was really good. And I rushed out because I didn't answer the door. My boyfriend answered the door. And we stood outside for nearly two hours in virtually sub-zero temperatures. We were so cold afterwards. It was almost like we'd had cryotherapy. I was shaking <laughs> under, the, under a blanket on the sofa. But it was so life-affirming that moment. But also, can I just say, listeners out there, it's not an Instagram filter. This woman has rebuilt herself from the inside out. She's never looked better. She looks amazing. She needs to inspire me to get off my flabby arse and actually do that now. <laughs> oh, bless you. You don't need to change. You'll change once the Reformer Pilates studio opens right next to your house. Oh my That's God, when you'll exercise. It's closed in Chiswick. It's not right. Buy, I might have to buy my own Reformer Pilates. When I move house, I'm going to buy When it. you move house, at the bottom of your acre, however big garden, have a little Pilates cabin or whatever you want to call it emma and i were looking up how much reformer pilates cost the other day they're cheaper than you think you know they are right right now definitely on that note i'm gonna let you go because i know you've got loads to do um i've got the hl man waiting to pick up some outfits (laughs) hope it's hope in the diary you got hope of a dhl man the h and dhl stands for hope can i just can i just say his name's ronnie we're on very intimate terms Criven, so that's how you're getting your paperwork through after Brexit. (laughs) 
Right. The links to everything we have discussed to Nadine, her YouTube channel, her Instagram, everything will be in the show notes. I'm sure you will agree. She's been very generous and wonderful. And I've loved her for your good habits. So I hope you have too. Nadine, thanks for coming back. 